listening to the Long Hollow Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry at Long Hollow Church, located in Hendersonville, Tennessee. If you are interested in learning more about us or looking to attend one of our gatherings, you can follow us on Instagram at LHYoungAdults or visit longhollow.com for more information. Well, how's everybody doing tonight? You guys good? Man, what an incredible group. This is, this is awesome. Uh, I remember coming here in 2017, and uh, my first day on the job, we had about 10 students, 10 young adults. Uh, and so to see this, man, God is really blessing your ministry, Dylan uh, and Rachel. Um, I just want to thank you guys so much for allowing me the opportunity to come and, and to share. Uh, this really is a passion of mine. I love young adults. Uh, I love this ministry. Um, for many reasons, but one of those being, I feel like this group right here, uh, if you are open to the spirit of God, uh, I believe that you are some of the most sendable people in the world and that the mission of God can be carried out and fulfilled through your life. And so, uh, that's my prayer for you. That's always been my prayer for this group. And so, um, thank you guys so much for allowing me to come tonight. Uh, my name is TJ. Uh, I serve on the missions team, as Dylan said. Uh, I oversee global missions as well as church planting. And I uh, just love that. We, we get to plant churches all across the country. Uh, we're planting three churches this year in Milwaukee, uh, one in Vegas, and one in, uh, where's the other one? Um, Denver, Colorado. So uh, if you guys want to go on trips, Dylan. I'll hook you up. Let me introduce you to my family real quick. Uh, you got that picture? Oh, that's small. Um, so this, this is my family. I uh, just want to introduce you real quick so that you can uh, get to know me a little bit. Uh, my wife, Melissa, we've been married for 13 years as of this month. Uh, and so we just celebrated that, which has been amazing. Uh, on the left, that's Madeline. She's 11, just started middle school. Uh, Mila is next to her. She's three. Uh, Sarah is five. And then Emma is eight. I almost forgot how old she was. Uh, but that, that's my family. I heard somebody say one time who had all girls uh, that he was the minority in the sorority, and I totally feel that. That's, uh, that is my life. And so uh, I love being a girl dad. But anyway, uh, I want to jump in tonight and talk about the mission of God. But specifically, I want to talk about the, the role of the Holy Spirit when it comes to missions. Uh, I mean, what we're seeing in our church is a move of God. It's a move of the spirit of God, right? I mean, we're seeing some incredible things where people are being convicted of sin. They're turning, they're repenting from sin and they're giving their life to Christ. But here's, here's the reality for us, okay? The reality is when we get saved and baptized, that's not the finish line for our life as a Christian. In fact, what we would say is that's just the starting line for us as followers of Jesus. When we begin to follow Jesus and, and, and we make him Lord of our life, we receive the Holy Spirit into our life. And the Holy Spirit is to lead and guide us and to lead us towards the mission of God and fulfilling the great commission that God has given to us. Um, my, my oldest daughter, Madeline, she came to me a while back. And um, when, when I was in, I, I think it was my senior year of high school, I started playing bass guitar, got into a couple of bands, got decent. Connor, you probably would disagree, wherever you are. Um, but, but my daughter came to me a few months ago and she was like, Dad, I really want to play guitar. And I'm like, 
great. Let's, let's do this. I, I would love that. She goes, I've been watching videos. I've been, I've been listening to people talk about playing guitar. I've seen some peers on YouTube, people my age that are playing guitar. I can do this, dad. And I'm like, great, let's go. We're going to guitar center. So I, I, I get her in the car. We go down to guitar center and I bring her to this like mini Taylor guitar. It's perfect for her. And, and Taylor's are like amazing guitars, right? And I give it to her and she's like, ah, I like that one. And she turns to like the cheapest guitar in there. And she's like, but it's beautiful. It, it's, it looks better. I was like, okay, forget sound quality, forget playability. Let's just go with which one you like is prettier to you, right? And so we get her this, this little guitar. We go pick out a strap. We go get her picks. We go get, uh, what is that little thing? The capo, right? We get her all this stuff. Like I am giving her full access to play guitar, everything she needs. In fact, I'm like, hey, if you wanna take lessons, let's talk about that. I'm gonna find somebody who will give you lessons. I, th I think I'm raising the next Kendall Healy here, right? Like this, this, this girl is gonna grow up, she's gonna be leading worship. That's, that's what I'm thinking, right? Well, so she gets this guitar, she comes home, she's super excited, she's on this high, and then she hasn't touched that thing in about a year. Like it just sits there, just sits there. I have given her full access, everything that she needs in order to learn how to play guitar, but she hasn't yet accessed it, if that makes sense. She hasn't tapped into it. And so what this means for her is that there's some, there's some untapped potential within her. She has all the things that she needs in order to be a guitar player, but she hasn't yet tapped into it. So here's the big idea tonight, if, if you are taking notes, this is so important for us. Many of us in this room, as followers of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, we have access to the Spirit of God, and yet, for many of us, we have not yet accessed the Spirit of God. We have access to the Spirit of God, but we have yet to access the Spirit of God. We have yet to tap into the Spirit of God and the power that the Spirit of God gives on our life. The Holy Spirit has come upon us and he has given us this, this power to live out the, the calling and the mission of God on our life. And yet for many of us, we're just untapped potential. We're just, we're just consuming more things about Jesus. We come on Tuesday nights, we come on Sundays, we, we go to life group, we do all the churchy things and we're consuming a bunch of information about who Jesus is, but we're not obeying much of it. And what God wants for us is not to just be consumers of the word of God, not just hearers of the word of God. He wants us to be doers of the word of God. And so what I wanna talk tonight to you about is the mission of God and the role of the spirit in it. Here's the reality for us. Every Christian is a missionary. To be Christian means to live on mission for the sake of the gospel. The moment you give your life to Jesus, God is calling you and commissioning you to receive him and then to turn and to reach other people who have not yet followed him. That is, our, that is our goal, that is our ambition in life, that is God's heart for you. 
In whatever you do, whatever profession you're engaged in, in whatever you're studying in school, it doesn't matter. Whatever you do, God wants you to make disciples as you do it. We're called to be missionaries. That's why Jesus, when he recruits his first disciples, what he says is, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What Jesus is saying is the, the result of following me is that you're gonna reach people with the gospel. To follow me is to reach more people for the sake of me. That's what Jesus is saying in that passage. And so the reality is all of us have been called to make disciples. Charles Spurgeon famously said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Let me say that again. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Now, let me, let me just be clear because I know missionary can be like a churchy term and there's, there's probably some young adults in this room who didn't grow up in the church and aren't aware of what that means. We think of missionary a lot of times as someone who goes overseas to start churches or something like that, but that, that's not the case. A missionary is simply testifying about Jesus. It's living a life that is devoted to Jesus. It's displaying Christ in your life everywhere you go so that when people are engaging with you and enter into relationship with you, they see something different about you. They see Jesus in you. And it causes them to, to think and, and to ask questions about their life. So all of us, the reality is we, we are called to be missionaries. And so I want us to look at Acts chapter one tonight. If you have a Bible, I want us to look at Acts chapter one. Uh, if you're new to the Bible, this is in the New Testament. There, there's two sections in the Bible. You got the Old Testament, you've got the New Testament. This is in the New Testament. So you can either go to the New Testament, flip over a couple books of the Bible and you'll find Acts or you can just look it up on your phone. That's probably the easiest way to go. Or it might be on the screen actually. That's the easiest way. But we're gonna be in Acts chapter one, verses one through eight. <clears throat> and then we're gonna talk through this passage. Here's what the word of God says. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, uh, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Lord, would you speak through your word tonight? God, I pray that we would not just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers of the word as well. Uh, Lord, would you ignite us for the mission of God? I pray this in your name, amen. So I want you to imagine for a second, 
just to kind of set the scene of what's happening here in Acts chapter one, Jesus has walked with the disciples for, uh, some argue 18 months, some say three years, it's somewhere in there. But he's, he's walked very closely with these disciples, uh, the, these students of his. They, they've seen him do miracles. They have watched him, uh, they, they've listened to him teach. They, they've watched him heal people. They, they've listened to him talk about the kingdom that is to come. And in their mind this whole time, they've been thinking that Jesus is gonna be a better David, a, 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 a political king who's gonna come and rule Israel forever and is gonna make Israel the, the best nation forever and ever. But what Jesus has always been talking about as the king is he's talking about a heavenly kingdom. And when he comes, he, he is coming to rule the hearts of men and women forever and ever. He's talking about a spiritual kingdom. And, and so they, they have been following closely this Jesus. And so when Jesus dies, you can imagine how broken they were how scared they were. This is their king. This is the one who is supposed to rule forever and ever. What, what are we supposed to do? He's gone. Like he's made all these promises. He, he's told us that he was gonna be with us forever, but where is he? And, and so they're, they're terrified. And so we come to Acts chapter one and Jesus shows up, right? Jesus has risen from the dead and he has shown himself to the disciples. And it's in this moment that he begins to explain to them what his goal for their life is. And I want you to know tonight that the, the same mission that Jesus commands his disciples in Acts chapter one is the same mission that he wants for us today. And so first of all, I want us to, I want us to see this. What is it, first of all, that gives us access to the Holy Spirit in the first place? Because if Jesus is dead, then it, this whole thing doesn't matter. Why are we here? If Jesus is dead, there's, there's no point in us thinking about the Spirit or trying to receive the Spirit or, or anything like that. The mission of God, it doesn't matter if Jesus is dead, but what we see in the text is that Jesus is not dead. Praise God, right? Jesus is not dead. Jesus is, is alive. And we see that uh, in, starting in verse two, it says, until the day he was taken up after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. The, the word convincing proofs there, it literally means he, he shows up with clear evidence, clear proof that he is a risen king. There, there's several examples in scripture and I'm sure Luke who wrote the book of Acts, I'm sure when he wrote this, he had in mind a, a bunch of these proofs, but I, I wanna share a couple of them with you. Um, a, a couple of convincing proofs of Jesus. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus shows up just out of nowhere, the, the disciples are in this room, they're hiding. It says that they were terrified because they, they, were, they feared for their lives because of the Jews. The Jews who had just killed their leader, 
is now after them as well. And so they're in this place and they're hiding. And in the blink of a moment, this man who was not there is all of a sudden there in the room. And they are like, what, what's going on? There's, there's a ghost. It literally, it literally says in the scripture in, in Luke chapter 24 that there, there's a ghost who is with us. And Jesus, knowing their fear and knowing that they are struggling in this moment, he, he brings them in close and he says, I want you to, I want you to touch, touch me, right? Like I, I am not a ghost. Does a ghost have bones? Does a, does a ghost have skin? I, I am not a ghost. I want you to come near and, and give me a hug and let's, let's eat together is what we see in Luke 24. And so the, these men who were closest to Jesus, they're able to see him in the flesh and understand in that moment that what he was saying a few days earlier before he died is that in three days, he was gonna rebuild the temple. What he meant was he was going to rise from the dead and he was gonna show up alive and well. So we see that in Luke 24. In John chapter 20, Jesus shows up again and there's this man named Thomas. He's one of the disciples and he is super doubtful. He, he doesn't understand all that's going on. He's like, man, Jesus is gone. I, I don't, like he, he did so much teaching and there was so much promised and now he's gone. I just don't get it. I hear he's, he's back, but I haven't seen him. And so he, he's super doubtful and Jesus shows up again and he's like, I want, I want you to see the wounds in my hands from, from the cross. And I want you to put your hands into my side and into my hands, right? And he shows them the wounds. Then you have in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, the apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Listen to what he says. This is, this is unbelievable. It says, I delivered, you, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep or, or passed away. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. This is an incredible passage that, that shows clear evidence and clear proof of the risen Lord Jesus. The, the reason we have access to the spirit of God is because Jesus is not dead, right? We have access to the spirit of God because Jesus rose from the dead and he gave to us his spirit to empower us and to lead us in our life. What would cause the majority of the disciples to go from terrified, locked in a room, scared to death, fearing for their life, to a few days later, risking their life in order to get the message of Jesus to as many people as possible. You know what would cause that? They got to lay eyes on Jesus who was alive. And so I, I, just, wanna, I just wanna start tonight by, by saying that Jesus is alive and the reason 
that we should take our lives as Christians as significant, the, the reason that we should take the mission of God, um, make it dear to our heart is because Jesus is not a dead God. He is, he's alive and he has called us and commissioned us to go. And so they were willing to give their lives for the sake of that. But Jesus gives them, he gives them some, um, some important directions here. He says, he says I, I don't want you to go now. I want you to, I want you to wait, okay? And, and this, is, this is super uh, important for us because in, in verse four, it says this. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard from me speak, or you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. This is super important. I want you to hear this. Jesus wants them to go to Jerusalem and wait. Why? Because they had not yet received the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what he's saying is, you cannot go and do the ministry and the mission that I've called you to do apart, detached from the spirit of God. And yet for many of us in, in the church today, that's how we try to live our life. We try to live apart from the spirit of God. We, we don't wait for the spirit of God to, to come into our life and, and to empower us to live the way that God has called us to live. And so there's an importance there for us to, to wait, to wait on the Lord, to be led by the spirit of God. You don't try to defeat sin and temptation in your life apart from the spirit of God in your life. You don't live on mission apart from the spirit of God in your life. We must have God empowering us, which brings me to this final point, and it's this. There is unbelievable power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There is unbelievable power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Jesus wants them to wait, wait for the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he knows that under their own power, the mission of God will not be accomplished, but with the power of the Holy Spirit that comes upon their life, they will be able to accomplish all things. They will be able to accomplish exactly what God has commanded them. In fact, Jesus says in John chapter 14 that I'm gonna send another counselor who's gonna come and be with you. It's the spirit of God. And he says, you will do greater things than I. And what Jesus is talking about there, he's not talking about greater in quality, but what he's saying is you are gonna do greater things in quantity. Why? Because when Jesus is walking amongst the disciples, he could only be in one place at one time. But think about the, the 150, 200 people in this room filled with the spirit of God. God can be in and through us everywhere we go, dispersed throughout this community and throughout the world. And so you're gonna do greater things when the spirit of God has come upon you. In verse eight of Acts chapter one, it says, he said to them, it is not for you to know the, the times or periods that the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
I, I love this. You will receive power. The, the, the word power there, it, it literally means uh, an ability, an, a supernatural energy, authority, strength. And it says that, that this power will come upon you, which literally means it will invade your life. The spirit of God, this authority of God in your life will invade your life. I remember years ago, my, my daughter was, um, she, she loved superheroes at the time and she had this Hulk costume. She had like the, the foam feet, the foam hands, the mask, she had it all. And um, the only problem is when she would put this on is she would become that character. And instead of attacking the couch or the wall, she would go after her younger sister. And, and so my wife and I were in the kitchen and uh, we're cooking dinner one night and I hear my, my youngest daughter screaming at the top of her lungs. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I go in there and my daughter Madeline is fully decked out in Hulk and she's straddling my other daughter and has her by the neck and is just banging her head on the floor. And, and like, she's, she is like, she is crying out, I need help. I'm, I'm, about, I'm about to die right now. And, and so we go in there and we're like, we're like, hey, Maddie, what are you doing? What are you doing? You, you can't beat up your sister. Like, wh what in the world are you doing? And she, she pulls back her mask and she's got tears welling up in her eyes. And she looks at us and in one of the most heartfelt moments, she goes, I'm sorry, dad. And just lets out this like Hulk filled voice. It, it was hilarious, right? It was hilarious, but here, here's the deal. When she put on a costume, my daughters still do this to this day. When they put on a costume, they become the character. Like it completely invades who they are. It, it, it changes the way they talk. It changes the way they act. It changes everything about them. If they put on Elsa dress, they're like, dad, freeze. And I've just got to like sit there until she comes back over and unfreezes me, right? Like it completely invades their life. Listen, when you give your life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it should completely and utterly invade our life. It should change the way we think. It should change the way we talk. It should change the way we look at our jobs. It should change the way we look at relationships, our families, our parents. It should change everything about our life. It should change the way we look at sin and repentance, the church, it should invade everything in our life. And so what do we do with that? What do we do with that? If we have the spirit of God, and remember many of us in this room, we've yet to access the spirit that we have access to, right? We, we have yet to tap into the power of the spirit. We, we, we just come, we sit like a knot on a log, and we listen and we listen and we listen and we go talk theology for hours and hours and hours and we haven't shared the gospel in a year. We have friends in our life who don't know Jesus and we, we will separate and go over here with our little church friends and we'll have all of these incredible conversations about who Jesus is and we'll talk about the depths of theology over here and then we'll go hang out with our lost friends over here and we want nothing to do with Jesus in those conversations. Why? Because we're not empowered by the spirit of God. 
And you may think like, how do I know if I'm empowered by the spirit of God? The reason you may not know whether or not you're empowered by the spirit of God or not is because you're not doing anything that would require the spirit. You wanna know if you're empowered by the spirit of God, pick up the word of God and obey it. Study the scripture for yourself, read through it. Let the spirit of God like speak into your heart and life and then obey the word of God. Because when you start obeying the word of God, you're gonna find out really quickly that you can't do it unless the spirit of God is in you and empowering you to do it. You're not gonna be able to turn from sin and run from sin if you don't have the spirit of God convicting you and turning you from that sin. You can't do it. You're gonna know real quick if you're empowered by the spirit of God when you have an opportunity to share the gospel and you run or you lean into it. You're gonna know real quick. So, so if you wanna know, do what God says and trust the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you in it. Here, here's what Jesus commands in Acts 1. He says, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And he says this, you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now listen, we, we don't live in Jerusalem or Judea, Samaria, we, we don't. But if he were speaking that into your life, essentially what he is saying is everywhere you go, all around the world, whether you're on a business trip or whether you're on a vacation or whether you're getting coffee, maybe not a legacy, but they're all, I think they're all Christians there. Um, but if, if you're getting coffee, right? If you're hanging out with friends, if you're at school, no, no matter where you are, what, what Jesus is saying is be my witnesses. As you go through life, be my witnesses. That, that word witness literally means to testify, be a testifier of the good things of God. How has God changed your life? Think about that. What has God done in your life and how can you share that with other people? We, we make this so complicated and it doesn't have to be. We make this so complicated like, man, I, I've got to, I've got to share the gospel five times this week you know, and we set this quota and, and if, we, if we don't hit it, we, we fail, right? Or, uh, or if we do share the gospel, we, we branch out, we share the gospel with somebody, they don't come to Christ, we feel like we have failed. But listen, failure is not sharing the gospel and them not responding. Your, your job is not to find success in leading people to Jesus. Your job is to simply share and be obedient to what God's called you to do. That, that's all, right? That's all it is. We, we make this so complicated, like we, like it's this huge thing when in reality, what we see in scripture is people just go into towns, they hang out in the marketplace, they meet people who don't know Jesus, they build relationships and they start to have conversations. That's, that's it. That is living as a missionary. You're, you're simply living your life 
and bringing Jesus into your daily relationships and conversations. And so let me end by asking you this question. And Connor, if y'all, if y'all wanna come on up, uh, I'm gonna wrap up, but I, I wanna ask this question. Number one, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you, do you know Jesus? Because if not, um, I, I just feel like tonight would be the night that you say yes to him. Maybe tonight's the night that you turn from sin and you say yes to Jesus. But if you are a follower of Jesus, are you sitting on the sideline wasting away the access you have to the Holy Spirit? Or are you on the field, empowered by the Spirit of God and trusting him to lead you with your life? That's the question we want to ask tonight. Let me pray for you and then we'll continue to worship. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Um, God, I thank you for the calling on all of our lives to make disciples. It's not a question of whether or not you're gonna call us. You have called us. The question each of us have to answer is how are we uniquely gonna live out the calling that you've given us? How are we gonna trust you with our neighbors, our, our, our friends who are far from God? How are we gonna trust you with those at work? How are we gonna trust you with uh, Muslims all around the world who are far from God that desperately need people to come and to share the gospel with them, to share the good news with them. How are we gonna trust you and, and be empowered by the spirit of God to where we, we don't live with fear, but we, we put our yes on the table and we say, God, I will go wherever you want us to go. And we allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide our decisions. God, will we step into what you have for us? Will we tonight open our hearts and our minds to the Holy Spirit, to hear his voice and to go wherever you call. I pray this in your name.